You're listening to the Whitewater Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org give. Let's dive into this week's message together. Tim Keller writes that when married or unmarried people understand a vision of marriage that is biblical, it will help married people correct mistaken views that might be harming their marriage, and it will help single people stop destructively over-desiring marriage or, destruct, or destructively dismissing marriage altogether. Although this isn't a sermon on singleness, uh, singleness is an important part of the Christian vision for life and sexuality. Jesus, after all, was single and was able to live a whole and full human life. Everyone is called to singleness for portions of their life. Before marriage, some are called to singleness for a lifetime. Uh, and a huge part of being Christian is learning to be Christ-like in our singleness, in our dating, in our marrying, in our broken marriage, or sometimes in the loss of a spouse, and sometimes in our remarrying. So today I want to share a story with you, uh, a vision of marriage, and at the end, four practical steps you can take to strengthen your marriage or prepare for healthy relationships and marriage in your life. I went to do a wedding in Montana. Pastor Scott, Pastor Mike, and our friend Alex all robe tripped together across three states to go to this uh, wedding in Montana. I'll never forget before we left on the journey, Pastor Scott came up to me separately and said, hey, the only way I'll go is if Michael isn't driving. And then Pastor Mike came up to me and, and he said quietly and separately, he said, hey, the only way I'll go is if Scott isn't driving. So I, I pretty much drove the whole way. <laughs> so I did this wedding, I, you know, did the ceremony. Uh, it was a beautiful affair in the Montana mountains at this chalet. And uh, in the chalet, it had uh, a wall of Montana beers as you walked in. And then all the groomsmen that were standing there all had like shotgun shell boutonnieres. Uh, with little flowers coming out of it. it I was, I, it was when I realized, like, hey, we're not um, in the Seattle area anymore. <laughs> after the ceremony, a, a tough-looking family member came up to me. I mean, we're in Montana. These are some tough people, hardy people. And I thought they were upset with something I said. But when they got close, I all of a sudden saw that it, it looked like, like they might have tears in their eyes. This person said to me, I've never had any examples of marriage being good the way you talked about. And I've never heard a picture of marriage like that before. It almost makes marriage seem sacred and worth doing. Could I share a few of the parts of the wedding ceremony with you? Now, these, the portions of this, this wedding, I think, um, share a pretty brief but beautiful vision of what romance and marriage can look like. And this is for anyone who wants to know the vision and gift God made marriage to be. So when I'm doing a wedding, I have a little book and it has the ceremony in there. I read a lot of it uh, and I get really nervous, which is why I have it like written down. Uh, it might not look nervous and I've done a lot of them, but every time I get a little, nerv a little nervous, you don't want to mess someone's wedding up <laughs> or say the wrong name or, or say the wrong thing. Um, but I'll open the book up. And there'll usually be uh, at least a small group, a lot of times a big group of people, family, friends that are there. And we're there, and I'll usually start it off like this. Friends, we have come here today at the invitation of Colton and Maggie to share in the joy of their wedding. 
This outward celebration we shall see and hear is an expression of the inner love and devotion that they have in their hearts. God is the author of love. The Bible teaches us that God is love and that love comes from God. From beginning to end, the Bible is a love story. There we read of God's love for his people, of the love that sent Jesus to the cross, of the redeeming love God has for the broken and lost, and of abiding love for the redeemed. Jesus Christ reminds us that at the beginning, the creator made us male and female and said, for this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one. That's Genesis, by the way. God loved us and created us to love others. Our lives find completion only as we love and are loved in return. Together, we can become what we could never be separately. Marriage is of God. Isn't that a great beginning? I just love how it just gets to the heart of what it's about. I often tell couples before the wedding ceremony and during the wedding, the marriage prep, that I want them to have a great wedding, a beautiful wedding. But it's more important to me that they have a great and beautiful marriage. So you could have a crummy to mediocre wedding, but if you have an amazing marriage, that's what's important. So often I see uh, social media posts from couples, and this can be people who are dating, engaged, or married, but you see media, um, social media posts from couples about how perfect their marriage uh, or relationships are. And I, and I believe that in reality, this can actually be an indication of how awesome our marriages, our relationships aren't. Sometimes we're wanting to hide what's really going on. It can be a painting or of a mirage of what we wish our marriages actually were and what we want other people to think about our marriage or relationship. What if we spent less time on making our marriages or romantic relationships appear good and spent more time on them actually being good and healthy? How much healthier and more wholesome would our relationships actually be if we turned down the amount of time we spend on our relationships appearance and we turned up the time spent on our relationships actual health? All right, back to the ceremony. I would say something like, Colton, will you have this woman to be your wife, to live together in the holy covenant of marriage? Will you love her and comfort her and honor and keep her in sickness and in health? And forsaking all others, be faithful to her so long as you both shall live? If so, answer, I will. Usually they say, I will. <laughs> and then I ask the bride the same thing. And she usually says, I will. It's time out again. It's really important to know that committing to go through the storms and not give, giving in to temptations or fears or like just madness or stupidity that might want to pull you apart. And believe me, there is such a thing as like, like a madness or stupidity that can really drive people apart. Um, well, really, marriage is, is such, it's a commitment. It's a, a loyal love. The Bible calls it covenant. It's strapping in together, you know, through storms and through calm waters. Back to the ceremony. I would look at the congregation at this point and say this, will all of you witnessing these promises do all in your power to uphold these two persons in their marriage? If so, answer, we will. And that's usually when the family and friends yell, we will. It's usually really cool. And I'll say you can be seated. Now, time out again. It's so important that you realize that your marriage needs community. Uh, one of the ways I, I, I think of it is, who's your board of directors? 
Who are those uh, leaders, wise counselors, model marriages that you admire and you allow to speak into your life and into your marriage? Who do you kind of like hold your marriage up to and, and kind of show the good, the bad, and the ugly and not just hide all the bad and the okay and only show the good to, but you just kind of, you are open book to and they can speak into it. Who's the community that supports both, both of you and will support both of you when you're going through difficult times, when the storms hit? Because it's not a question on if storms will, will hit, it's a question of when they will hit. So many people out, out of pride or neglect fail to have a board of directors and advisors. At some point, you'll hit some major bumps and you'll need counseling, godly counsel from mentors, pastoral counseling potentially, and professional counseling sometimes. Counseling isn't a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength, humility, and intelligence. Only dumb people think they can do this on their own. Only prideful people think they're different, they're better than other people, and only weak people can't admit that they aren't strong enough at times and that they actually need help. Get a board of godly directors that aren't just in your friend group. They're outside of that. They have maybe some other perspectives and, and experience. And they've modeled, they've actually demonstrated godly wise relationships and marriages. They haven't just you know, learned it on Facebook or have lots of opinions about it or read it in a magazine. They've lived it. So be in that kind of community and be in healthy church community and get professional counseling. That's, uh, it, there's, there shouldn't be stigma about that at all. It's strong, it's humble, it's smart. Back to the ceremony. In the wedding I did, I spoke to the bride's father at this point. And I said, who's giving away this woman to be married to this man? He said, I am. Actually, he said, her mother and I. And then, he, he gave the bride to the groom. And this is so important, this is so cool. It's this moment of giving away, this moment of coming together, a union of two lives. Um, it's this, this diversity in unity. At this point in the ceremony, I take a moment and I just, I just share about God's love and the connection, the, uh, the reflective nature of, of marriage and covenant love with God's love and loyal love and covenant with us. And I might share about how God's love is unconditional in a world that has conditional love. What I mean by that is so much of our world likes to draw lines right down the middle of people and say, I like this part and I'm willing to love this part, but I hate this or reject this part about you. Don't get me wrong, there's parts that aren't good about anyone or anything, but there's, I understand that there's like a desire to, to be with this and not be with that. But when it comes to people, God teaches us this unconditional love that doesn't draw a line down the middle of us, it draws a circle around the whole person. It says, I accept you as you are, but I'm not gonna leave you where you are. And, and in marriage, we help lead each other to become a, a more beautiful version of ourselves, a more um, a godly person and we become someone we couldn't be apart from each other. And that's a mirror, a small little glimpse, a mere glimpse of God's love for us, that God draws a circle around every single one of us, unconditionally loves us, but he doesn't leave us where we're at, doesn't leave us in some of the areas that aren't so good. He helps lead us into the person he designed us to be. That's God's love, unconditional world of conditional love. And I make sure to let people know that God loves you with that kind of love and invites you into that kind of relationship 
with him. And God is loyal. Even where we fall down or are unfaithful and disloyal at times, God is always loyal and faithful to us. And you, friend, can be invited into that kind of love. At this point in the ceremony, uh, I would read something like this. I remember in this wedding saying this, the ceremony of marriage in which you come to be united is the first and oldest ceremony in all the world. Celebrated in the beginning in the presence of God himself, marriage is a gift of God. Given to comfort the sorrows of life, magnify its joys, marriage is the clasping of hands, the blending of hearts, the uniting of two lives as one, Your marriage must stand not by the authority of the state nor by the seal on your wedding certificate, but by the strength of your love and by the power of your faith in each other and in God. You can have this kind of marriage if you continue to recognize God as the source of romance, love, affection, for these are his gifts. Build your home on a spiritual foundation. With God, you will have everything. Without him, you'll have nothing. Now, will you please join hands and express your vows of love and devotion to each other? Now, before I go any further, a little time out in the ceremony. When it says build your your foundation on on God, a spiritual foundation is so important. Centering your marriage on Christ. Um, Being in a a Christ-centered Christian community, a church, You know, when people drift from their personal relationship with God and their relationship with a healthy faith community, marriages easily drift and drown or are destroyed. There's too much um, hardship in the storms that life throws at us to handle on our own. And we need to have that spiritual foundation. So don't center your marriage on convenience. Don't center it on consumption of other things or people. Don't center it on money. Don't center it on this, like the idea of just feelings. Center it on Christ. So then we move to the marriage vows. I have the couple hold hands, face each other. In fact, you could do that with the person next to you. Just look at the person next to you and repeat these words after me. I take this person to be my wife. No, I'm just kidding. You shouldn't be doing that. And that probably made it totally awkward. <laughs> but that's what I have the, the uh, you know, the, the couple getting married do. Um, And I have them say, like, Colton, will you repeat this vow to Maggie saying after me, I, Colton, take you, Maggie, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for rich or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are separated by death. As God is my witness, I give you my promise. And then have the bride repeat this you know, Maggie to Colton. I love the, the concept of to have and to hold, to cherish. Cherish is such a great word that I think we can forget. Uh, to have and to hold. Focusing on your spouse, what you love about them, their strengths, their gifts. You know, focusing on the core strengths and, you know, good memories that you make together are so important. What do you appreciate about them? What do you love about them? Sarah, my wife, and I had been dating for, you know, a little bit. And uh, one time I picked her up from the airport. And it was still early on in our, in our dating. And I drove her back uh, to her home in, in the Tacoma area. And on the way there, we hit a train. Well, we didn't hit a train. We had to wait at a train uh, on Ruston Way in the Old Town area. And while that train started just 
blowing by. Sarah made her move, and I made my, my move, and I leaned over, and she leaned over, and we had our first kiss. Now, I normally hate waiting for trains. So annoying. Waiting five minutes for this big, huge piece of metal to, to pass by. But on that day, I hoped that train would take all day long. It was awesome. You know, I have so many wonderful memories with, with, my, with my wife and uh, remembering what we love about each other and moments that we've had together. It's just so important. I just encourage you to always come back to that. Come back to your first love. If you felt your love growing cold for each other, remember your first love. Remember what you love about each other. Remember the best moments. And, and remember that you can pull those into your present and future. Back to the ceremony. At this point, um, I, I would read something like this. The Word of God tells us what love is like and what love does. Since God chose you to be a holy people He loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's an important one for marriage. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Remember that peace? You want to you find peace? You want to have a source of peace in your life? It comes from Christ. And let that kind of overflow into your heart and life. Another verse I might read is, Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. does not act ugly does not seek its own, it's not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices in the truth. And love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. In this time going through this pandemic, I think people and relationships and their marriages, people feel so depleted. They feel emotionally, spiritually, relationally just empty. And when they're depleted, they feel defeated. And when that happens, you just see marriage drift happening, relationship drift happening. Giving and forgiving is so important in marriage. Learning to be able to ask when you need some help is so important. When you need to be forgiven is so important. As we read in those scriptures, Forgive. Be patient. Be gentle. It's so easy to be harsh. It's so easy or, or to, to like just stonewall somebody and not respond at all and just become cold. Don't let it take a lifetime to forgive and let go of bitterness. Crisis doesn't just cause the cracks in our marriages, in our relationships. It often reveals them. And the only way we can get past those cracks big cracks, little cracks, lots of cracks, is forgiveness, is generosity, is gentleness with each other and patience. And don't get this image that like marriage is easy or it's, it needs to be conflict-free. And so if we don't have conflict and we kind of sweep everything under the rug, then it's fine. There's a, you need to have healthy conflict, being able to disagree, being able to like express yourself, not sweep something that's, that's a problem, that's like the elephant in the room, being able to talk about those things and listen to one another and truly try to understand each other. Um, even, if, even if there's emotion behind it, 
We have to make room for differences and give freedom to each other to see things differently. And yes, even compromise. That's, that is a sign of maturity within conflict. Back to the ceremony, the exchange of rings. At this point, I would have the couple give each other the rings and then they would say this to each other. Uh, Maggie, would you put that ring on Colton's finger and repeat this after me? I give you this ring as a symbol of my vow. With all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I love that idea of honoring one another. That's a, I don't know, sometimes a forgotten virtue in our culture is honoring the other. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the way God loves and honors others, we honor people. The way God honors the Son and the Son honors the Spirit, this holy, beautiful trinity, uh, and this unity and diversity. In marriage, we learn to honor each other. Sometimes, you know, when people don't earn it or deserve it, we still honor people. Then sometimes there's a special element, a song, a unity candle, candle, a communion. I've had people braid something. I've had people pour sand. I even had a group that were kind of dressed up like uh, elves and like dwarves and stuff. And they did, I'd never seen it before. It's very um, educational. <laughs> um, and if that's your thing, hey, that's okay. I like Lord of the Rings. That's great. Um, and then I would pray a prayer of blessing for the bride and groom, and I would actually invite everyone in the room. Every, no matter if you're a Christian or not, this is, I just want them to know this is a time of we're blessing this couple. I'm blessing them in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Trinity. And so I'd pray something like this for my friends, Colton and Maggie. We come today asking for your blessing upon these two lives and this home being established. You have made us so that we are incomplete without the other so that we yearn for someone we can love and whose love we can receive. We are thankful for the love that we see here and even more for, love, for the love that we feel from you, God, in this moment. May we never take your love for granted. So easy to take love for granted, isn't it? We pray for your love to be the shield and anchor for Colton and Maggie. When joy comes, may they share it together. When sorrow threatens, may they bear it together. In gladness or in tears, in sunshine or in shadow, may they ever draw closer to each other and nearer to you. We have to share gratitude and grief together. I love just this prayer that just lifts up the reality of what we're gonna go through and that God's in it all and that we need to draw closer and grow through it all. Don't just go through life, grow through life. Grieve your losses together. In the time of COVID-19, a lot of the anger, angst, numbness, all that stuff is like a lack of grieving our losses together. And in marriage, that's so important. I'd finish the prayer like this. Grant them patience, gentleness, courage, and understanding. Oh, Father, protect their home from any force that would seek to break it apart. We ask for health, for long life, and for the fulfillment of every good dream. Time out again, dreaming about your future together. Discovering your spouse's dreams, big and small, is so important. Have shared vision, shared dreams about your life, marriage, and family together. Uh, about every season of your life, have a dream, dreams together and go through it together. And then dig into each other's individual dreams and never stop searching for each other's dreams. New dreams pop up. It's not like you, you dream when you're 19 years old and you stop dreaming. Like I know some of the best dreams have come from the, some of the oldest people I know. And when you start discovering these dreams, acknowledge them, appreciate them, and help them 
come to fruition. Then I'd finish the prayer like this. May their love continue through life and finally blend into the life eternal. Through Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. It's a good reminder, this, this blending of life into eternity. Like, love lasts. There's a lot of things that don't last. Love lasts. Marriage is a special love. We want to protect that. And I finish the, the wedding with these words. You've come before us and before God, and you've expressed your desire to be husband and wife. You have shown your love and affection by joining hands, have made promises of faith and devotion to each other, and have sealed these promises by the giving of and receiving of rings. I therefore pronounce that you, Colton, and you, Maggie, are husband and wife. May God bless you and keep you and give you his peace. I take their hands and I'd raise them to the sky. No, I'm just kidding. I take their hands and join them together and I'd say, what God has joined together, let no person separate. There's so many forces that would de destroy a healthy vision of marriage. These forces are both external and internal. And you know, and the, this pandemic has caused people to feel emotionally and spiritually depleted and defeated. In this vulnerable place, people are making quick decisions that are destroying and shipwrecking their marriages and their lives. It's hurting their children, it's hurting their families and friends. Don't make a permanent decision around a temporary feeling or a temporary moment. We're gonna come out of these times and I wanna come out stronger. Know that God can restore the relationships that we break. There is hope for healing individually and there's hope for reconciliation if both parties are willing to embrace the truth and love. I wanna leave you with these things. Here's four practical steps for helping your marriage. One, here's an exercise of appreciation. Um, when you're feeling frustrated or like there's been tension and, and you're, you find yourself thinking about all the negative traits of your husband or wife, start setting a, it's when you know you need to set a habit of taking time to like list three traits, three characteristics you love about your, your spouse. And just write them out, think about, pray about them, and have different ones that you go through. They don't have to be the same every time. It could be memories that you went through, but attach some traits and characteristics. Remember the, the core strengths, if you will, of your spouse. The other thing is I have, um, when I'm doing marriage premarital counseling, I have them each write a letter to each other that tells their spouse or their fiance, what would they need to know about your love for them if if this was the last day you could be with them. If like, I just have them do kind of that thought experience. If this is like your last day or two with them, what do they need to know about how you see them and how you love them? And then I have them go write their, their letters and the next week they come back together and they read their letter to each other. They don't read it to me, <laughs> they read it to each other. And my goodness, is that a special moment? Because sometimes we leave unsaid that which needs to be said. And we say things out loud that don't need to be said. And in this moment, we flip that and say, what do people, what does your loved one need to know from your heart? And I have seen people who wouldn't consider themselves a wordsmith or a good writer or a poet or whatever, say the most beautiful things I've ever heard human beings say or write or think. And it, it unifies, it draws the hearts together in unity. So I wanna encourage you to write a letter to your spouse, write each other a letter and see what you learn about each other and your love. Here's the third pra practical thing that you could do. Um, go do things 
that you originally did when you fell in love. If you're feeling your love uh, grow cold, your marriage is drifting a little bit, just take a moment, stop and think, what were the things that we did when we first fell in love? And go do those things. Go to those places. Go to the places to eat, the places that you viewed, and just come back to where it all started and what you're, what you're all about. It has a way of kind of like restarting us and like reminding us of who we are and our identity um, in our marriage and in Christ. Lastly, I want to encourage you, and I would encourage any couple and every couple to do this, develop a prayer life together. See, praying for each other and what God is doing in your life is so important. Set aside some intentional time regularly. It could be daily, maybe it's three times a week, I don't know, whatever works for you, but have it be uh, regular uh, that you do this and begin praying together. I don't know a faster way to get better at listening to each other, clearing up misunderstandings, getting on the same page, sharing your fears together, and being one in marriage than praying together. When we pray, there's just something about it where we open our hearts and we, we become vulnerable. And you can talk about the hard stuff and the good stuff. You know, if you don't have a, a spouse, start praying um, for God to prepare you for one um, and to know what you're looking for in a godly partner. And if you're called to singleness, whether it's long-term or it's in a short season, ask, ask God and start praying and develop a prayer life asking for godly companionship and friendship that would help you and, um, and strength for your calling. See, these are four ways I just think are really, really important. And if you would, pick two this week and try doing them. And you get really practical. Just pick one or two and try doing them this week and see what God does. Guys, I love you so much. And God has an incredible vision for marriage and for your life wherever it is with where you're at. Thanks again for listening with us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Whitewater Church, reach out at info at whitewaterchurch.org or click contact in our show notes. And if you'd like to get involved in what Whitewater's doing to bless our communities, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org give. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.